Good morning. What a treat to be with you. Especially it's a treat because how often do we take a text, any text of Scripture, and meditate on it for four weeks? This is your third of four weeks. How often do we take a simple text, which every one of us probably could have preached on even before we began, to, to reflect carefully? And by the way, I appreciate you absorbing me into this process as I as have considered this text more carefully than before. What a, what a privilege this is. So this morning we are continuing the question that was posed, who is our neighbor? The, the answer that we'll give today is a simple one. The neighbor is the one who shows compassion. Now that raises lots of questions. What do we mean by compassion? And that's what we we'd like to be able to answer together this morning. Let me begin, if I could, with a, a story that, that uh, was, was a bit of a turning point for myself. My father grew up with a father who was kind and quite nerdy. And his nerdiness was in a different category than my own. So, of course, I liked my father and I, I appreciated his kindness to me. But, but there was nothing that really... Uh, I don't know, not, nothing that stood out as I considered my father. Our conversations were, he, he intended well, our conversations were usually fairly brief as they devolved into his nerdiness. Went away for college and left the house essentially after I graduated from high school. Around my last year in college, I, I was home for a long weekend and visited my parents' church. I'd never been there before. And, 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 and I was sitting with my parents, and I, I, must have, I must look enough like my father that people recognized I was my father's son. And after church, somebody came up to me and said, you're Ed Welch's son. We just love him. He, he's paid for our children's tuition. Oh. So, well, that explains my, why my parents don't have any money. That was my first thought. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> couldn't have been more than 15 seconds later. Somebody came up and said, oh, you're Ed Welch's son. He, he visited us when, when my father was in the hospital and, and showed such kindness and compassion to us. Oh, you're Ed Welch's son, another one. He's, he picks us up every single Sunday, which, by the way, I didn't know that particular Sunday. He just sort of disappeared early on and came back right before we were going to church. It was, it was as you can imagine, it was a bit of a turning point for me in my understanding of my father because there's something about compassion that does indeed stand out. And, and, and my father is deceased, but his compassion still affects me, even to this day. Who is the neighbor? The neighbor is the one who, who shows compassion. The story begins with compassion's opposite. It begins with, what's, I guess, what, the question is, what's, com, what's compassion's opposite? It, it would at least be a kind of indifference. The person's difficulties simply don't seem to matter to you. A priest 
moves by. He, he's unmoved. He distances himself. He turns away. Gets as far on the opposite side of the road as, as possible. Then to continue the theme, the, the Levite comes and, and continues the same pattern. He is indifferent. He doesn't even see. Almost the same language. He walks on the far side of the road, unmoved by, by the person who's wounded, even to the point of death. The story turns on this particular verse. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity. Now let's take that word pity, which sometimes has a little bit of a connotation of looking down on another person. Let's insert the word compassion, which is a common translation of that particular word. When the Samaritan came, he saw him. The others averted their glance. He saw him and he took compassion. And it's at this point that everything changes. How would you, how would you identify, how define or describe or illustrate compassion? You see the difficulties in another's life. You are, these are some of the ingredients of them at least, you are affected by them. You are, the, the, the word sometimes has a very visceral kind of sense to it. You are, you feel something along with the, the person. You, that feeling compels you into some kind of action. And then typically, since that person is now impressed on your very heart, there is a remembrance of that person. Those are some of the ingredients of compassion to which you could probably add some more. I, I suspect that you, you know or you are a natural at compassion. The, the naturals at compassion that I know, they're the people who, when they watch the news, they pray through the news. Every story they hear, they are moved by the story, and they do something, they pray. Uh, perhaps you're among those who, who hears sirens. I, I was at my daughter's house for a birthday party yesterday, and she lives at, near Abington Hospital. And, and there were sirens galore. There are helicopters going overhead. And, I, and my son-in-law mentioned it to me, and I didn't hear one thing. It seemed like a perfectly still evening. But there might have been some of you who would have been at that party who would have heard the sirens, and you would have felt a bit of a tug to your soul. Some of you might have even prayed. You, you might know people like that. I'm sure you know people like that. Some of you are those people. For the rest of us, the miseries of life in our own life and in the miseries of other people, they are so immense, they... Where do you even begin? And so we, we don't know where to begin, and we have tunnel vision for our own life. Perhaps what we can do this morning is, is think very locally, which Scripture tends to do. Even though we know of misery throughout the world, 
think locally. Naturally, we begin with and among our, our own family, siblings, parents, children, spouses. Then we move out to perhaps our, our small group, if we're in a small group. We move out to, to the first service. Then perhaps we move out to even include the second service. And the boundaries of our compassion begin to, to move farther out from this very local expression. Consider, those, consider small steps of compassion as we meditate again on this particular passage. Here's, here's compassion illustrated by the Good Samaritan. He went to him, he saw him, and he moved toward rather than away. And apparently he had oil and, 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 and wine with him. And he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, which, Bill, you've been over there. I don't, how many times have you been there? Over 30. <laughs> I, would, I would imagine to give up your donkey on a hot day is a, is a pretty challenging thing to do. Gives his donkey because this person apparently was not really able to walk. Took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins. I don't know these things well, but I understand that this is more or less two weeks heap at, a, at an inn in those days. Gave them to the innkeeper, who I suspect this person knew. Look after him, he said. When I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you might have. Pictures of a Samaritan who went through this this sort of enemy territory fairly often, and the innkeeper had some sense that he was going to come back. This is compassion in action. Who is our neighbor, the one who shows compassion? But, but, but it might be interesting to remember that this is not necessarily an extraordinary story. This is, this is the way we would expect compassion to be shown. If, if someone in your family is struggling, you're going to do things like this. It's going to be very natural to you. In Israel, the, even the law itself, it, it, it said this, you treat your clan like your family. And even those who are assimilated into your clan, who are strangers and aliens, who have decided to be part of you, they are included in this familial largesse. So, so the story does not necessarily capture your attention. It is indeed a story of compassion. But, but the surprise, of course, is, is the person who is showing the compassion. It's not the act itself. It's not the, necessarily the costliness of the act. It's the person who... He was showing the compassion. Again, these are, these are things that you know, but what a privilege it is to, to sort of inhabit this story a little bit more. So we consider the Samaritan. There are a number of different, different actors who come into this story, and obviously the Samaritan is one of the most prominent. As a Samaritan, you're walking through enemy territory. That does not necessarily mean 
that they are going to kill you, but, but it does mean that you will have been shamed with words. You will have been degraded by people who see you as worse than Gentile dogs. Because you as a Samaritan, your blood has been mixed with Gentiles, and there's that corruption within you that you cannot ever escape. Shaming words, segregation of the worst sort was your daily experience when you moved into the boundaries of Israel. Now, when we inhabit a person like that, you, you, see, um, um, you, you see one who is among those who has just been shaming you that very day, who with words or actions has, has degraded you again. And, and this is an opportunity for justice. Perhaps you don't, you don't just go to the other side of the street you gloat in some way. The person is alert in any way. Ah, be warm, be fed, my brother, with utmost sarcasm. That's what you would expect. You would expect compassion if it's family. But if, someone, if, if it's someone who is among a group that has persistently torn you down, you would expect some sort of quid pro quo. You've treated me this way, and this is the way that I will treat you. Instead, instead, the one who was degraded shows compassion. Compassion is when you, when you treat others like family. You are moved by their misery, those who are close to you those who are far from you. Serving someone, perhaps who has even despised you. And it's not so much the cost, it's, it's, it's a little deeper than, than financial. It is, it is the cost of love, to, to show love to someone who has not loved you and will probably not love you back very well. There's a cost indeed to compassion, but it's not necessarily our pocketbooks. It's our time. It's our pride. It's the remembering, keeping the person in our heart for more than a couple hours. This is some of the cost. Now, at this point, when you when you're recognizing who it is who's showing this compassion, you're, it, is, it is hard for you to think of any earthly analogies for this. So, so your mind cannot help but move to the heavenlies. That this is the kind of compassion only God himself shows to his people. So with that in mind, let's inhabit... Not necessarily the Samaritan, but let's inhabit now the, the wounded, almost unconscious man who's lying at the side of the road. And let's recognize that it is our Jesus who has come to us. We've, obviously, we've sung about this. Before we took a breath, he gave us breath. 
before we could ever love him in return, as we were seeking to do today, his love has been toward us. When, when in our disobedience and turning away or our indifference to him, we dishonor him, his heart, his eyes are turned toward us, moved by the difficulties of our lives, committed to doing something and then remembering. Here are just two passages that, that can come to mind as we are that wounded soul. Hosea 11. Hosea begins the, this particular passage by saying, by, by speaking on behalf of the Lord, speaking the words of the Lord, where the Lord says, my people seem to be determined to turn from me. Turn, from, turn away from an indifference and in, in even opposition. These are my people. And so the question is, how is the Lord going to respond? He says this. Lord says this to you, to me. How can I give you up? By the way, the context here is the northern kingdom of Ephraim that was, was, being, was being taken over by Syria, and there were problems galore, not to mention they were under a, a vile king. How can I give you up, Ephraim? And you're not quite sure how to answer that question, what answer is coming. The answer that would be coming would, would simply be, it's real easy to give you up. You have persistently turned away from me, the Lord would say. Well, <clears throat> I, I will now, finally, eventually, I will turn from you. That's what you're expecting. <clears throat> how can I hand you over, Israel? And then he goes and says, how can I treat you like the towns of, of Sodom and Gomorrah? Now listen to this. You know this passage, perhaps. My heart is changed within me. In other words, the Lord is saying to you in this passage, and by the way, the badness of your life, <clears throat> the, your turning away from him is not the point. These are really pretty wretched people. If the Lord turns to them, he certainly turns to you, and he turns, my heart is changed within me. In other words, my heart, he's saying, as I consider you, and I consider the difficulties of your life, and the difficulties of you turning away from me, my compassion is aroused, and it's as if my stomach is doing flip-flops within me. Again, it's one of those very visceral words where God is saying, my entire inner being is being stirred up. It's, it's not what you were expecting. Who was the neighbor, the one who, who, who has known something of the compassion of our God and responds with thankful compassion? My entire being is changed, is roiling within me. All my compassion is aroused. And then the, the question is, how could this possibly be? And then he goes on and he says, I am not like a mere human he says, I am God, the Holy One among you. So don't compare me to your own version of compassion that you've, that you've expressed or that you've, that you've witnessed. 
The second passage to continue, consider is your, is your lying in the dirt. The story of the prodigal son. The story of the prodigal son is, is, is a person turned away, dishonoring his son and his father. And at the, at, at the hint that the son is returning, the father's compassion is aroused. And he acts. And he, he runs out to, to meet the son. In other words, it is the Lord's pleasure to show compassion. It is, it, 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 he doesn't have to work himself up to it. You, you don't have to plead for his compassion. It's his pleasure to show compassion. It is his very inclination. I heard a story recently of a, of a, from a young man in, in our church who was three hours away from home and his car had broken down at 2 o'clock in the morning. And, and the question is, who is he going to call? Well, he's, he's thinking, who is the person who, who is most compassionate? Who, and he called this one particular fellow in the church. 2 o'clock, woke him out of a sound sleep. And the person didn't simply go to pick him up. The person was delighted to pick him up. Because this, you know, this, this man who, who, who got, out, got up and got to the guy at 5 o'clock in the morning and lost, obviously, a night's sleep and did all kinds of things for the car, when they got there, it, it's, it's his nature to show compassion. He wants, he looks for opportunities to show compassion. This is your God. The God who doesn't have to be wooed into showing compassion. The God who he doesn't... You don't have to keep going on and on. Speaking of your troubles, he is, there's this hair trigger. He is quick. He is eager to show compassion to his people. Who would have thought? What, what unites us is that we have one. In contrast to many people in the world who has shown us compassion and this very day his heart continues to be turned toward us, and it's still doing the flip-flops within him. And don't forget, compassion is you see, you hear, you are affected by, you act, you do something, and, and you remember. What unites us is that we have received such compassion, that we uniquely know the one we sang of, who sees us before we see him. Who, who delights in being moved by the things that move us, who, who acts somehow on our behalf, and he remembers. So a few questions that, that can, be for us, can come before us this morning. What is compassion? We'd like to have some response to that. To see the movement of the passage. But yeah, this is what you do with your family. But this is not what you do with those who, who speak words that are shaming words to you. That's when the story takes us away from the Samaritan onto God himself. Now it becomes very personal. How have you known the God who has shown compassion? Do you hear these words that he speaks to you. 
even though you may feel unworthy to receive them. They are true all the same. And then how do you respond? How do you respond to, to this turning point in the story? Let me just make a couple of suggestions as you, as you consider these things as well. Uh, first, don't necessarily run to compassion that you need to show to those who have cruelly hurt you. Let's, let's postpone some of those complexities. Because, indeed, that's what the Lord does with us. But that is above and beyond, and, and we will wait for that one. Start small, or continue small. Continue locally. Say thank you. Thank you. Who are you, O Lord, that you would show compassion to me? And whether I turn one way or the other, who are you that you do such things? Who am I that I would receive such things? You simply say thank you. That's one. A second would be that you speak from your heart to the Lord. You, perhaps without, with, without any particular request, you speak to him about the things that are challenging and difficult and troubling and overwhelming in your life. You speak to him. You don't speak about those things with him overhearing. You speak to the one who you can go to, you can call him at 2 o'clock in the morning, and he will delight to hear you and respond. You simply speak the hardness of, of your day. And, again, the question is, the neighbor is the one who shows compassion. And we begin with being the recipients of compassion. And then perhaps you look around and, and you notice compassion around you, which is obviously stirred by the Spirit of the living God, for example. Another little turning point in my own life. A, I, I have grandchildren, and I either had to get my wife or my grandchildren in most any conversation. So here's, here's one of my grandchildren. He was, I was teaching a class, and, and he, was, he was very sick. He was in the hospital. And, and of course, in, in a situation like that, you'd have to be distracted. And, and I was certainly distracted. And, and, and I said to the class, I, I said, I'm sorry, my, my mind is somewhere else. Could, could I take some time just to pray? My grandson is in the hospital right now as we speak, and I'm thinking about him more than I'm thinking about the task at hand. And let me pray for my grandson. Let me pray that, that the Spirit would, would give me grace to be present with, with you, my brothers and sisters with whom I want to be present. And so I prayed, and that was, that was the end of the story. Two months later, two months later, I was walking through, walking through Glenside, and... And I saw a person from, from the class that came up, and, and they didn't even greet me. The first thing they said was, how's Jack? How's Jack? Jackie is my grandson. And at first, I didn't even know what they were speaking of. You, you look for compassion. You look for the ways that the Spirit has, has aroused other people to show compassion for you. You, you see how the compassion of God is, 
It's been sort of distributed in your own hearts, out in your small group, in, in your congregation. You, you keep your eyes open for it. And you act locally. You, you know someone who's struggling, and you don't know what to say. But, but the person's on your heart. And so you say, I, I just want you to know, I'm so sorry for the things that you're going through. And I want you to know that, 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 that I am so pleased that you have been placed on my heart. And, and I remember you, and, and I pray for you. For those of you who have, who, have, who have experienced such compassion, you recognize that on one hand, it's not a cure, but it is, it is this intrusion of the very power and love of God that somehow, this somehow lightens the load as, as the Lord remind us that, reminds us that it is shared by, by others. You could pray. You could pray for the needs that you know of that are around you. You can remember. And you can pray again. Perhaps send a text to the person you're praying for, speaking of perhaps passages that have come to mind. And that's enough for today to remember the one who has shown us compassion and then to, then to consider how do we see it? And what might be small steps? Let me just give you one other illustration. Uh, I guess I do have to talk about my wife as well. So one grandkid story and one wife story. Sorry. We have a neighbor, love our neighbor, have a good relationship with our neighbor. Uh, I wasn't involved in this conversation, as you can imagine, would be the case with lots of husbands. Uh, our neighbor, a woman, was, was over at the house briefly. I think she, I can't remember what she was doing. And my wife had lots of candy on, on the table. And it was Easter. And, and at Easter time, my wife makes baskets, candy baskets for us, which is one of the great treats of my life. Uh, and, and, and one of the hardest things when my children were younger and in the house was not to raid their candy baskets when mine was going down. So it's, it's just a nice tradition in our home. And, and, and the neighbor mentioned, oh, you know, I, I, I remember my mother used to do something like that. That's all. She didn't do it with all kinds of nostalgia. But you should also know that, that our neighbor lives by herself and, and, and the parents have been deceased for decades and, and children, I mean, and, 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 and no spouse and siblings are scattered. My, there was an extra basket on Easter Sunday, which I thought, this is great. My wife gave me two baskets this time. Uh, but, but then I saw her going out the back door with the basket, which, which was the cool way of going to our neighbor. It's... Could be, you know, because you know, when you have something that only you can do with somebody else, it does make it more special. And so, so my wife went out the back door, went to her back door, knocked on the door, and came back home and left an Easter basket. You see, it's, it's just very simple compassion. My wife heard the neighbor's comment about an Easter basket. 
But my wife understood more, more of what was going on with our neighbor. She loves our neighbor, and so she was moved with compassion. She, she, our neighbor was on her heart, and the question was, what can I do? Compassion wants to act in some way. And, and 10 minutes later, we got a phone call from our neighbor, and she was crying. She couldn't even speak. All she could say was, thank you. Because, because Easter Sunday, my wife broke through with compassion broke through the aloneness of her soul. So, small steps, small steps. You have another week, you're going to be meditating on this particular passage. And you have, you have quite a while where you're going to be meditating, as far as I understand, on this particular question. Who is my neighbor? Recognize, of course, that, that what changes us is not merely the exhortation to have compassion and to get out there and do it. Some of us, that, that might change us. But all of us, we recognize the change comes as we have seen compassion in others. And as we recognize the compassion we see, uh, if it's worth its weight, it's, it's an expression of this much greater compassion of the compassionate God who delights in showing compassion. The cross itself is the expression of the acting God who in the midst of his compassion, he does something to bring his, his people who tend to roam to himself. Small steps today, small steps. Let me pray. At least, Father, would you unite us and plant in each one of our hearts the conviction, the faith, to, to believe indeed that you are the compassionate God and it is your desire. Because all of us have our troubles and, and all of us can have moments where, where you seem far away. May this story become our own, where, where it assures us this story spoken by Jesus himself is a story to us that announces the lavish, reckless compassion of Jesus for us today. May we at least grow in such things. Give us faith to believe in the name of Christ. Amen.